Our scripture lesson today uh, is perhaps the best known scripture in all the world uh, over all time, uh, but we will look at the story, the context within which it sits. And so let's start with the good news and then let's see um, how this came to be in the story. Let's share in God's good word together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, I know y'all might be tired of that by this week, but I'm not. I I like some Bruno Mars. It's good stuff. What do we mean when we say blessed? You know, the the jet, sure. Um, A good lifestyle, sure. Uh, Oil to be up in Oklahoma, sure. I mean, you you pick it. That's to be blessed. And and I'm not I'm not knocking that. There is there's truth to that. We like it when life gets a little easier. But there's also a dark side to that, isn't there? That sometimes we're not careful. We forget that everything we have comes from God, is a gift from God, a blessing from God. And sometimes we think that we did it ourselves. And and sometimes we distance ourselves from God. Maybe we think we've figured it out. Maybe we've got the model. Maybe we've got the lifestyle. Maybe we've got the neighborhood or the school system or the college degree or the high school degree from the best high school in the state. Some of you do. Right? I mean, so we, we think we get this. We know what we're doing and we know how to be blessed or what it is to bless others. And Jesus says, hold, hold on. Hold on. There's, there's more to this than meets the eye. There's more to this than this life. There's more to this than you can even begin to think. Or imagine. If you have your sermon notes, I invite you to take them out and follow along with me. Um, in this blessed series, we began with prayer. Um, it's an acronym. Uh, we bless, we listen, we eat, we serve, we share God's story. Now, we're going to try something new. They gave me the power of the clicker today. We're going to see how this goes. It might be a train wreck. It might be awesome. So we'll see. It's my first time. So we're going to begin with prayer. Read these with me. We begin with prayer. We listen, we eat, we serve, and we share your God's story. Now, the thing is, if we begin with prayer, we say, Lord, who do you want me to bless? Let me be blessed to be a blessing. Then we start with prayer. Uh, The way Willow Creek Association says it, barbecue first. It's more important that you talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. Amen? Right? We want to talk, say it with me, we want to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. Right? So you'll notice that in Jesus' ministry, he didn't go around and just bless everybody willy-nilly. There were certain people that he gave sight to the blind and the deaf would hear and the lame would walk. Not everybody that came across Jesus was healed. He he was talking to the Father all along about this. And and so when we're talking about this blessing, what does Jesus himself say about what it is to be blessed? At the last supper of his life, before he goes to the cross the next day, he says this to his followers, to the disciples. He says, for I've set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. He's just washed their feet in this setting. He says, very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are what? Blessed if you do them. This is what blessedness looks like. It looks like serving others. 
It looks like doing the things that Jesus did. Being about the things that Jesus was about. Now, this is important in the Christian life, friends, because a lot of times we've lost this. We think to be blessed somehow is to say a prayer and somehow you're, you're into heaven. Jesus never says that. What Jesus says is you're blessed if you what? Bless others. If you do what Jesus did. That's where the blessing comes from. And notice, if you do them. He doesn't say you're blessed. You know me, you're blessed. No. He says you're blessed if you do the things that I've taught you to do. And so we go back to the scripture today in John 3. And we're going to look at the at this story that happens in John 3. And in John 3, 16 and 17, the Greek word for world, right? For God so loved the what? The world. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, the word is cosmos in the Greek. And, and this is really important, friends, because we can miss this. And a lot of religions miss this. Because what religion would have you think is that God so loved the religious people. And that's not what the scripture says. That we would think that God so loved the church people. That's not what the scripture says. That the scripture says that God so loved the world, and the word he uses for world refers to those human beings who are at odds with Jesus and God. So we would read the scripture like this. For God so loved those who did not love him back. For God so loved those who did not get it. For God so loved those who had never been to church. For God so loved those who were still mean-spirited. For God so loved every person you've ever met with. For God so loved that person that cut you off on traffic on your way to church today. For God so loved, what, the world. For all the folks, particularly those folks that other people thought were outside. And then he juxtaposes this world with eternal life. Now, again, eternal life offered is not held for the believer's future. So often we, I would talk to people about, well, you know, do you know God and are you going to heaven? And people say, well, I hope so. Well, well no, friends. The moment you come in contact with Jesus, the moment you begin to follow him, the moment that he comes to live inside of you is the moment you are living eternal life. Now, there's two words. There's finite and then there's infinite or infinite, right? And you can live in one of those two worlds. If you're immortal and you live in finite world, then that's, that's it. Jesus says, when I come to live in you at that moment, you are now infinite. Eternal is forever. It's not something that happens to you later. Heaven's not something that happens later. Heaven is something that happens and is available to you right now. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. It begins now, a way of describing life lived in the unending presence of God. Because you're going to be with God all the time. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. You see, so here's the, here's the point, friends. The God revealed in Jesus is a God whose love knows no bounds. It starts now and lasts forever. It actually started before you were ever born. And we must share this story because it's good news. And it's news that, quite frankly, a lot of the world does not know. And they don't understand it. They, they can understand how, how, you know, you watch a story and it's really moving that a mother sacrifices herself for the child or, or maybe a son for a father. Uh, these sorts of things. We love these stories. And God says, no, 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 it's much bigger than that. Let me blow your mind. God comes from heaven to earth for everyone. For everyone. And that includes you. And for everyone you've ever met and for everyone you will ever lock eyes with. This is good news. It's amazing news. We must share this story. And the way we share the story is by sharing our story. Because this can be too abstract. It can be too academic. And, and, and the point is this. The, the way I've known people to come to faith is by looking at other people's lives. Now, I was shared a, a story about a man who had witnessed to his neighbor every day. On his way to work, and when he'd come home, he, they would have these conversations about God. And this guy was a hardcore atheist, and he never wanted to have anything to do with God. 
And then the man who had been witnessing to this guy about the love of God, his wife had cancer. And she died a slow, painful death of cancer. And, and the atheist basically said, you know, a good God wouldn't do that. You, you see, I'm right. No, no God would allow that to happen. And a year later, after his wife's death, his neighbor came to him and said, I, I want to be baptized. I want to go to your church and be baptized. And this guy was bewildered. He was like, wait, I've talked to you all these years, and now, now you want to give your life to God? What, what has changed? And he said, there's no way that you could still be standing. The way you loved your wife, the way I saw you, and that you still are standing and living and moving and glorifying God, your story is what changed my life. Your story is what convinced me that God is real because I see him in your life. And that's the way it is, friends. We all have a story, and yours is worth telling. Will you say that with me? We all have a story, and yours is worth telling. I want to share one of those stories with you now that I saw on TV last week. I think it's really good. Let's take a look. found one on the road. Used to be, when Ginger Sprouse came across homeless people, she would often give them something, her two cents. I would say, why don't you get a job? Or what's your problem? It made me very uncomfortable. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I've been that way my whole life. But about a year ago, Ginger, who owns a cooking school outside Houston, decided she didn't like that about herself and would at least try to change. He would stand right here on the corner. She began right there. by approaching a guy she used to see all the time on her way to work. His name is Victor Hubbard. Victor says he told Ginger how he ended up on the streets after his mother moved away and left him. You had no idea where your mom no, was? No, I, I didn't know where she was. He says Ginger listened to his story and went on her way. Then I couldn't get him out of my mind. And so I was like, okay, fine, I'll go back. But what really got me, this is probably after the third time I met him. He said, when are you coming back? People would come by and I was like, you know what? I have a friend named Ginger. She's, she's on her way. I, I was trying to let them know. That Somebody's was, watching out for yeah, you. Yeah, I was taken care of. This continued for a few months until the day Ginger realized she couldn't keep going on like this. It was a cold December night. And although Victor had food and blankets, there's only so much comfort you can pass through a car window. So Ginger did something, something the old Ginger would have never dreamed of doing. I could not leave him there. She went to her husband with a request. I asked Dean, would it be okay with you if I went and got him? And I said, if he could just stay one night because it's raining. Well, okay, stop right there. Okay. I had to think about it, you know. I'm sure you did. I'm starting to recognize the slippery slope here. <laughs> yes, exactly. The honest truth is, you know, when she says, I feel compelled to help this guy, how can I say no to that? And that's how Victor Hubbard found his second family. Oh, yeah. He now lives with Ginger and Dean full time. He was my favorite. They helped him get social services and doctor's appointments, introduced him to the community, and made him part of it. Victor also works two jobs now. One at a burger joint. Yep, just like that. And another at a cooking school, where he has one of the most compassionate bosses in South Texas. There you go, looks good. Life is messy, but if you're going to love other people, you have to be willing to step into their mess. My whole life, I've wanted to avoid that. That's why I rolled the window up and didn't look. Give it some distance. And that's why she now rolls it down. <laughs> 
let the blessings blow in. <laughs> Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Houston, Texas. You gonna let the blessings roll in? Let the blessings roll into your life. That's what blessing is. And you wouldn't know anything about this unless she shared her what? Her story. Now, this is all good and well and right and good in the kingdom. But isn't it even better that you know that story now? What a beautiful story. What a beautiful story. And, and we know it because she shared it. She shared her story. And, and notice that it wasn't a cleaned up story. At the beginning of her story, she says, you know, I was the kind of person who was like, you need to get a job. That's who she was. And, and as she reflected on that, as she talked to God about that, as she prayed about that in my mind, she says, I don't, I don't like that about myself. I know that about myself, but that's, that's not who I want to be. That is who I am, but that's not who I want to be. And so she prayed and she listened. And then she would eat with him. She began to serve him. And now you know her story. Jesus shared his story in John 3. Before we get to the amazing news of John 3, 16, that God so loved the world, Jesus is saying that in response to Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus comes to him in John chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'll take you through it on the screens. There was a man of the Pharisee sect, Nicodemus, a prominent leader among the Jews, not just a person, not just a Pharisee, but a leader. Late one night, he visited Jesus and said, when did he come, friends? At night. He says, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. Well, who's the we? Now, you could miss this very easily. Nicodemus doesn't come on his own. He's coming as a representative of others who are also interested in this Jesus. They see what he's doing. He says, no one could do all the God-pointing, God-revealing acts that you do if God weren't in on it. We see that God's moving in this. And so Nicodemus is a wealthy Pharisee. He's got a lot of means to him with a lot to lose, right? And this is not a beggar. This is a guy who has high standing. As a matter of fact, he's an authority figure for Jews all over the world. And so since he has a lot to lose, he comes at, say it with me again, at night, under the cover of darkness. He doesn't want people to know what he's doing. He's trying to check it out. He is the search party. He's doing some recon. He's doing some intel. Some of you who are visiting from another church, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, well, I'll check out Acts 2. It might be okay. I don't know. Right? I come by myself. Next week, I'll bring the kids or whatever. Right? So he's this wealthy Pharisee. He's got a lot to lose. And Pharisee means separated one. Right? He, he's not like other people. He's high and lifted up. Nicodemus, as a matter of fact, was a member of the Sanhedrin. If you're filling in your blanks here, it was a 70-member Supreme Court for Jews worldwide. If you were a Jew living anywhere on the planet and you had a question or you were up on charges, you went to Nicodemus and the other 69 folks on the council. Nothing happened uh, with Jewish law that didn't roll through the Sanhedrin. And so if you think about this, you, you think of one of our Supreme Court justices going to hear some itinerant preacher out in uh, the backwoods uh, of America somewhere, it is amazing that Nicodemus came to Jesus at all, isn't it? I mean, he has no reason to be there. People, many people would say, you should not get anywhere close to this guy. You're going to lose your credentials. They're going to kick you out of the Sanhedrin for this. It's amazing that Nicodemus comes to him at all. And so Jesus says, you're absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born from above. Let me say that with me. Born from where? Above. And we're going to get into this in just a second. But here's the problem. This word, born from above, can be born from above. It can be born again, or it can be born anew. 
And none of, none of those takes precedence. He means all of it all at the same time. And he's allowing Nicodemus to choose which one he's going to choose. Right? It, it'd be sort of like, hey, this is cool. And then you're allowing the other person to, to figure out, well, does he mean that's cold or like that's really nifty? So Jesus is just laying this out. And if you get in your Bible and you read different translations, some of them are going to say born from above. Others are going to say born again. And others are going to say born anew. And the footnote is going to give you the other ones. But when Jesus said it, it meant all of them all at the same time. And so Jesus is saying, it's not possible to see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. It's beyond your legalism, Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is confused. He says, how can anyone be born who has already been born and grown up, born again? He's he's misunderstanding what Jesus is saying. He says, you can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. Same word. What are you saying with this born from above talk? He, He doesn't get it. So Jesus' response has this double meaning, and Nicodemus is confused. Or at least he says he's confused. And that's a problem with us when Jesus talks to us, isn't it? You see, the Greek word, anonthane, means from above or again or anew. And Jesus says back to him, no, 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 you're not listening. I mean, you're hearing, but you're not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water of creation, he's referring to Genesis, which Nicodemus would have known cold because he would have known all the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, would have known it all. And Jesus says the invisible, moving the visible. All right, now Jesus is trying to teach him something that he doesn't know. All he knows is the law, what's concrete, what has substance, what he judges. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're missing it completely. A baptism into new life. A whole new life. It's not possible to enter God's kingdom unless you're done over from the inside out. When you look at a baby, it's just that. A body you can look and touch, right? But the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see. Nicodemus, you're not seeing it. What I'm about is something greater than what you even see on this planet, the spirit. And it becomes a living spirit. And so Jesus' response is challenging Nicodemus to go deeper beyond his certainty. Now, I don't know about you, but at 49, I have become very certain about many things. Now, at 26, I wasn't as certain, and, and, and that, that's, it's fluid, isn't it? But sometimes, have you ever had somebody in your life, and, and they call you up, and you think, oh, I know what this is about. Right before you even answer the phone, you see them on caller ID, you're like, nah, I don't know, I don't think I'm picking that up. Every time they call me, it's about this. Right? I'm going to let that go to voicemail. We're going to see what this is about. And every once in a while, every great once in a while, like every five years, I'm surprised. I'm like, oh, hey, I had no idea. This is, this is great. But we get in these patterns, don't we? And we think we know. We, our minds get lazy. And we just, we just think that we're certain about certain things. This is where Nicodemus is. He thinks he knows it. And he wants to know if Jesus knows it. And Jesus says back to him, buddy, and you're, you're not even on the same planet as I am. You're thinking this level, and I'm at the universe level. I mean, you're not even getting this. And so he, he tries to learn him. He says, look, who is this? Anybody know who that is? That's, yes, mom knows. That's me. That's me. That's me at six months old. She put me on a very fat diaper. Look at that thing. It's huge. Like, Man, what in the world? I had some junk in the truck back then. So, so is this me? Yes. Does that look like me? Uh, yeah, right? Or, or is this me? What were they thinking? Look at that. That's sixth grade. Six months, sixth grade, and we can't even afford pants. They're just cutting those off. And, and look at Skinny over here. That's my dad. He's my coach. 
Very good. Now, is that me? Does the the six-month-old and the sixth-grader look the same? Or or is this me? I'm 18 with Mama. About to go to my prom. So so which is it? Or is this me? And, And finally, some of the kids are like, yeah, that's you. Right? Right? And Jesus says, look. If you look at the outward of somebody, their clothes, their face, their, their weight, their height, then you're missing the most important part of them. There's something that lives inside of each of us that is recognizable at each of those stages. That's God, what God is doing in you. And unless that's transformed, unless Jesus gets in the middle of that, all the other stuff doesn't matter. Jesus is taking us to a whole other level. So Jesus says, don't be surprised when I tell you that you have to be born from above. You're born again, born anew, out of this world, so to speak. You know well enough how the wind blows this way and that. You can't see it. You hear it rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from or where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone that Jesus comes and lives inside. You don't know what's going to happen next. Because it's no longer you who live, but Jesus who lives in you. And so you could say, I have my life all planned out. I had my life all planned out at 25 when God said, I'm going to come live with you in a new way. And, and you're going to be in ministry for me wherever I tell you to go, whenever. It's a whole new deal. It's a whole new deal. And, and here's where it gets painful. If your life looks exactly the same today before the day you say you met Christ as it does today, there's some question whether you've ever met him. And that's truth. Because he, God himself, the maker of heaven and earth, cannot come and live inside of you and you stay the same. Now, you may have some same struggles, but they're going to begin to live that out in a new way. And, and I understand, I understand what Nicodemus is saying, because I've lived there too. Jesus' metaphor of this pneuma, it means both wind and spirit. Jesus is saying the same thing to him again. He's like, look, you can live in the world, this world, or you can live in, in my world, my kingdom, which is this world and the next, and the spirit. And, and so Nicodemus is confused. He has the problem of confusion. If you're following along, we're at point two. And that is this, that we don't know about Nicodemus, what's going on with him. Nicodemus asks, what do you mean by this, Jesus? How does this happen? How is it that you're saying that the whole thing's going to be done over? And and here's, here's the question for Nicodemus and the question for us. And it's this. Is it that he doesn't know or that he won't know? Is it that we don't know or that we won't know? You see what I'm saying? Because he's got a lot to lose. And if what Jesus is saying probably means he's got to get off the Supreme Court. If what Jesus says is true, it means he's got to give his life to him and do whatever Jesus wants him to do. You see, Jesus says this. He says, you're a respected teacher of Israel, and you don't know these basics, Nicodemus? Listen up. I'm speaking sober truth to you. I speak only of what I know by experience. I give witness only to what I have seen with my own eyes. Jesus is beginning to tell his story. He's like, you think this is neat? How about this? I'm God himself. I came from heaven to earth. So that you would understand this. There's nothing secondhand here. There's no hearsay. I'm talking to you as God himself. Yet instead of facing the evidence and accepting it, Nicodemus, you procrastinate with questions. If I tell you things that are plain as the hand before your face and you don't believe me, what use is there in telling you of the things you can't see? The things of God. Right? He said, look, this is what it is. But it's, it's as if Nicodemus said with this infinite wistful yearning. He's like, Jesus, hold on, hold on. You talk about being born again, and you talk about this radical, fundamental change, which is necessary. And I know, I know that it's necessary. But in my experience, it's also impossible. I have been at this. 
I, I, I took a vow before three other Jews that I would never again live as a normal Jew. I would separate myself and I would do everything that the law commands. And I have done that. When everybody else was doing this, I did that. And when everybody else was over here doing this, I, I chose the right path and I did this. And you say, I've got to be born again. And, and Jesus, I know that's right, but God, that's just not my experience. And, and if you've been a Christian as long as I have, which is about 49 years, you can get in these ruts where, where you just think, man, I know life's supposed to be different, but you know, it just feels a lot the same. It feels a lot the same. And so Jesus says, hold on. Let me share my story with you, Nicodemus. He says, you're, you're not alone. God didn't send me here for your destruction, but to save the world, to save you and everybody else, those that you think are out on the outside, I came to save them too. But each person must decide whether to accept that offer of salvation. And so this, this is, this is a, as deep as we get in theological discussion, and that is this, that God gives us the ability to be saved and to be made right with him. The tragedy is not everyone will accept it. But it's before you today. And it's a decision we make every day. And it's a decision you can make today. And it will change your life today if you allow God to come in and live with you again. And it may be that you used to have God living in your life two or three years ago or five years ago or 50 years ago. But it just you've been doing your own thing for a while. And that happens too. And, 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 and the good news is this, that your story is a part of God's story. Your story is a part of God's story. Will you say that with me? Your story is a part of God's story. And, and we need to share it. Because it's in that sharing of that story, that newness. We can't live on 20 years ago's story. The question is, where is God moving in your life right now? When you, if, you, if I were to say to you, ask you, where's God? What's your God story today? What, where did you see God this week? What's your answer? And if you're like me... Some weeks I'm like, oh, no, don't ask me. We haven't talked this week. Right? But what, what we want to say is, oh, God is moving. Because here's the thing. God's moving even when you don't know it, even when you don't see it. And so Jesus says this. No one has ever gone up to the presence of God except the one who came down from that presence, the Son of Man, a name that Jesus uses for himself. And in the same way that Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for Jesus, the Son of Man, to be lifted up. To go to the cross. And here's the good news, friends. Your story is made right by that story. So you don't have to worry if your story's a mess. Nicodemus' story was a mess. But if Nicodemus looks to the cross, his story changes. If you look to the cross, your story can change as well. Because we're people of the resurrection. It's not just our story. It's our story underneath the story of the cross. And everyone who looks up to him, meaning Jesus, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, eternal life, now and forever. This is how much God loved the world, Jesus says. That he gave his son, his one and only son, me. He's talking to Nicodemus here. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed, not you, Nicodemus, not anybody else, by believing in me, Jesus is saying. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending Jesus to the world merely to point an accusing finger. My guess is if I said, hey, do you know your sin? You're like, yeah, don't talk about it. Right? We know this. And Jesus says, look, if you already know your sin, God doesn't need to come down and tell you about your sin. You know that. What you don't know is that he still loves you. That's what we have to share. So Jesus came to help to put the world right again, right side up. And anyone, say that with me, 
anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. Now, this doesn't make bad a, God, a bad guy. God is God. God's character is good. God's character is love. And you can either live into that or you can choose not to. You have free will. And why, friends? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. Jesus is real. Jesus is here. One of the metaphors that we like to use is about electricity. Electricity is here, but it does you no good if you don't flip the switch. The light of the world is at hand. Flip the switch, friends. Come into him. Let that light shine all over you. So people are determined by the response to Jesus. It's not about Jesus. It's not about what Jesus is thinking. It's not about what God is thinking. It's not about their character. Their character is consistent over time, from the beginning of the world to all time. Infinitely good, infinitely love. And, and, and what this can do, if we're not careful, it can make us depressed. Because we look at somebody's life, we look at our own life, and we go, well, I guess Nicodemus didn't make it. He came at night. We don't hear about him again until John 7. Uh, and it doesn't seem that he's changed any there. There's only two little verses, and you can't really tell what's gone on with Nicodemus. He doesn't, he's still not following Jesus that we can tell, but he's kind of around. But friends, never judge and never give up hope. Never. Because you don't know what God's doing even in your own life, and certainly not in someone else's. Because this is, this is so beautiful to me, and I don't know if you've ever caught this, but if you go to the end of the gospel, when you get to the very last moment before the resurrection, catch this. Uh, in, in John 19, it says this, After all this, Joseph of Arimathea, also of the Sanhedrin, a friend of Nicodemus, we know, right? He was, he was intimidated by the Jews. He petitioned Pilate to take the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave permission. So J Joseph came and took the body. You all know that part probably. What you might not remember is this. Nicodemus, look who shows up. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus at night, came now in broad, say it with me, daylight. Carrying a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Other gospel writers say 100 pounds. They took Jesus' body and following the Jewish burial custom, they wrapped it in linen and spices. What Nicodemus, something has happened. I don't know what God did for Nicodemus or in his life or how he came to it. But this Nicodemus who came at night is now in broad daylight carrying the things for the burial of a king. At great cost to him, linen and spices were super expensive and only happened for the wealthiest or kings or prominent people in the community. This was no normal burial. Nicodemus is there, friends, in front of the whole world. He's like, this is my guy. I'm here. I'm going to honor him. And look at this. There was a garden near the place he was crucified. And in the garden, a new tomb, which no one had yet been placed. A very expensive thing to do. They were doing everything they could to honor Jesus at his death. And so because it was Sabbath preparation for the Jews, the tomb was convenient. They placed Jesus in it. And who? this is the last person mentioned in the Gospels before the resurrection. This Nicodemus. That didn't understand anything. That comes at night. And he's asking Jesus, well, how do I crawl up in my mama's womb again? Dumb. Missed it completely. And yet he is there at the resurrection. He's the last person before Jesus is raised. He is the one honoring him. All the disciples are gone, but not Nicodemus. He's there. And so the question for us is, will you be there? Can you admit, hey, I've had some bumps. I've had some bruises. Maybe I'm not doing this exactly right. But when it's time, will you be there? Will you be there today? Will you say yes to Jesus? So our action step for you is this, to stay alert to what God is doing in your life. Stay awake. Stay attentive. Any of the A's work. Alert, attentive, awake to what God's doing in your life and share it. When you go home and you have lunch today, share with one another what is God doing in your life because it may be something wonderful and you may not even know it. And the longer I'm in ministry, the more I find this to be true. 
I just find this to be true. And, and what happens, I want you to know, we, we do a pretty good job uh, of, of sharing with you um, the things that we know God's doing. But God does a lot more than what we, what we know. And, and it may not be a perfect story, um, but it's important that you share it. Uh, a, about nine months ago, um, we were trying to do some Facebook stuff and some social media stuff. And um, I'm an older guy. I don't think, I'm like, I don't know. We're, we're investing a lot of stuff here. Is this really the way to go? And, and we get this weird message on Facebook from somebody we don't know has never been here. I've never met them. Uh, but I want you to hear her story uh, from somebody uh, that, that's never been to our church. But God's doing something. She writes to me. I, I asked her to write this down. She says, my journey with God began in October 2016. I was at my lowest. I thought I had lost my children. My family wanted nothing to do with me. I was living on the streets. I had no one to turn to. I didn't want to live anymore because no one cared, and I felt that I didn't deserve to live for what I had done. I was sitting in the park underneath a tree, and I had my bottles of medicine sitting in my lap, and I was crying. And I started praying, asking God to forgive me for what I had done, to keep my kids safe and to help them understand that what I was about to do was not their fault. I prayed that God would forgive me for what I was about to do, that there was no other way, that I had no one that cared for me. And while I was still praying, I got on Facebook to post a suicide letter. And the first thing I saw when I got on was suggested groups. Acts 2 was the first one on there. I'd seen Acts 2 pop up on my Facebook several times in the last few months. I didn't know what it was. Something kept telling me to open the page, so I did. I found out it was a Methodist church. I didn't know anything about Methodists. I got into their messenger several times, but I didn't know what to say. So I finally just sent a message asking, what does the Methodist church believe? And cook calm, our group says, Pastor Mark, I think this is yours. You know, this, is, this is for you to respond. She says, I kept asking questions, but that night they asked if I wanted someone to call me. I said yes, but I was scared. I had not been in a church since my mother's funeral. I blamed God for a lot of things. She assured me it was okay. Within a few days, I was talking to Mark Foster. I talked and texted him quite a few times over a two-week period. He didn't judge me. He listened to me. He helped me work through some things and prayed for me. God was showing me that someone did care about me. Mark did not know that I wanted to end my life. He gave me hope. He made me want to live again. He reassured me that everything would be okay, that God was with me and that God loved me. I believe that God sent Acts 2 and Mark to show me he had a bigger plan for my life. And I thank God for that. You know why God sent you to me. You know that now is this story. But the how is a different story. I truly believe this is how God connected us. I had been arrested for a crime that I did commit. I was supposed to apply for a lawyer before I went to court. When I went to court, though, they had already assigned me one. That lawyer would be J.P. Hill. He plays electric guitar right over here. Over the period of my court proceedings, not only did J.P. help me with my legal issues, but he helped me spiritually as well. Back in November 2016, I asked J.P. if he was an honest lawyer and if he went to church. He said yes to both. After that, I would ask him to pray for me, and I would ask him questions about God and the Bible. And then on April 2nd, I mean, notice this. When it started way back in October, we ran out of April, I found out that J.P.'s home church was Acts 2. I never made the connection. But soon after, I realized that maybe God sent J.P. to be my lawyer for a greater reason. 
Like I said, Acts 2 was popping up on my Facebook several months before I got in contact with them. God has this plan from the beginning of all my troubles. He used JP to help me find Acts 2 and Mark, which led me to my home church of Penn Avenue Redemption in downtown Oklahoma City. God has blessed me so much, and I truly believe that I would not be here today if I wouldn't have clicked on that link to Acts 2. So I thank God for sending JP to be my lawyer. And she ends her letter, God is so good. The kingdom of God is not what you think it is. It's so much bigger. God saved a woman's life through Facebook. That's a miracle. I don't even like Facebook. God's saving people through it. I've never met this lady. Never met her. Chantel says, who's that that you're texting? I'm like, the lady. She's like, who's texting you at this hour of the night? The lady. Who, who is that? Still, are you still? Yep, the lady. Do you understand how God, what God's doing? Your church is saving people's lives we don't even know that we've never met because God is up to something. Are you grateful that she shared her story? Well, let's share our story. The scripture says this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We thank God for that. Will you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, make me like you, a person of blessing. Teach me that following you is not a spectator sport, but a full contact experience, joining with your Holy Spirit's powerful work. Amen. Amen.